Right, and we have kicked off. It is the Play On podcast at Podcast Play On. Thank you for listening. Make sure you subscribe, share, comment, all of that good stuff. Also, don't forget at Beer Rap Bants, Beer Rap and Banter, the weekly podcast provided uh, by myself, Cal, Ash, Big Up Ryan, who can't be here. Uh, I go by the name of Ben, and I want to say thank you for joining us as we review all things football this week. Uh, first of all, Cal, how you doing, sir? Not too bad. Uh, thank you very much. How you doing yourself, sir? Very well, very well. Just having the uh, bit of DIY around the house. So uh, happy it's Easter holidays. So, yeah, keeping it moving. Good, 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 good. And Ash, how are you doing, sir? Yeah, I'm all right. Tired, but I know more about football than tennis. <laughs> <laughs> Look out for Ash's tennis podcast, which is coming under the beer wrapping band umbrella. Um, Ash, is, Ash is tired at the minute. So he's gonna he's gonna you know a few seconds to sort of stretch and once he gets the ball he comes to life you know he might not track back but he definitely comes to life when he's got the ball at his feet and uh, I want to say as well welcome back to uh, a guest we've had previously on the show uh, he's a Sheffield United fan for his sins it's Hal Stewart how you doing sir yeah it was all full of hope wasn't it back then when we spoke before so much wonder so much excitement at the beginning of the season i had that tingling feeling was it excitement no it turned out to be type 2 diabetes <laughs> <laughs> and um for those interested uh, or not interested it'd be good to check out your shows and what you're up to so just talk about your platform again what you're doing yeah, I've got a YouTube channel called uh, The Chef United Way, and uh, we do interviews with former footballers who've played for a number of clubs. So it's not just Sheffield United based, those kind of things. We do uh, watch alongs, fans forums, and uh, lots of previews and reviews of games. Nice. And uh, yeah, th- thoroughly recommend you check it out. You don't have to be a Blades fan, just a fan of football, and how's really good hosting and presenting and whatnot. And um, he shared a, a short video with me the other day about sort of what could have been for certain footballers and that opened up a good discussion. Um, just touching on sort of your team, uh, as always with our guests, three words that sum up the most pre- uh, the, the previous game played. Obviously that was Chelsea in the FA Cup. Chelsea completely revitalised uh, with a new manager and a sort of new way of playing and defending especially. But what were your thoughts on that FA Cup exit? Played very well. So if you want three words, there you go. Uh, it, it was... A really good performance. We actually, I think, should have got a draw and uh, we really took the game to Chelsea. So uh, I was thoroughly impressed with that. It gave us sort of shoots of recovery and some kind of positivity to take towards, realistically, not the end of the season, but next season. Nice. And did you watch it with your nephew, who I believe you have tried to get to wear a blades kit with his name or number? Uh, or some uh, sort of, there, There's an ongoing uh, story. Tried. <laughs> On your timeline, they're talking about getting him a kit, but he's, his family support, I think his mum and dad support two different teams, so it's which way does he go? He's come to the the fork in the road, the crossroads, where does he go? So <laughs> did you manage to, how, how's that worked out for for him and yourself, more importantly? Yeah, he, he had his fourth birthday, and I'm in his bubble, let's make that very clear, uh, so uh, all, all, all above board, and I go and uh, sort of babysit and, and look after them when I can. I've got two nephews, Rafe, who's four, and Theo, who's six. They have their birthdays really close together. Theo, who's six, I tried earlier to get him into Sheffield United. His dad supports Derby County. Uh, his mum's not interested in football, so... I was hoping that I could convince Theo with Derby being so rubbish uh, to, to get into the blades. But this season he's found it actually quite hard. Uh, he gets quite upset. So he now supports Manchester United and, this, you know, 
not a lot I can do with that. He's got Man United everything now. I haven't bought any of it. His, his parents have. Uh, so my last hope, uh, he is our last hope, is Rafe, who's uh, who's four, and uh, he's not interested in football. He's shown absolutely no interest whatsoever, but he likes the kit. So I said to him, uh, what, what would you like for your birthday? And he said, uh, a Sheffield United shirt, because that's all, all I wear when I go and see them. So he said, uh, And he likes me. So he's kind of associating them to get the two things together so he wanted his name he actually wanted rafe 100 on the back of the shirt nice as you know you pay per number so uh (laughs) i got i got four good lad good lad man united though that's a bit of a funny one in between derby and sheffield united but hopefully that will change and i mean it's an interesting conversation and i'm sure our listeners can relate to some degree of sort of growing up and having a fam, a football team frosted upon them based on who their sort of mums, dads, uncles, brothers, whoever supported, and then being in the playground and, and then wanting to be whoever was hot at the time. So I think now it's all about Man City, PSG, etc. Um, so it's an interesting topic, sort of how people get into their team. So uh, happy birthday to them and hope they are well. Uh, hopefully there's no swearing today so they can have a listen. But we give them a shout out anyway. So. <laughs> Um, we try Thanks. and keep it. We try and keep it clean for the youth. We're all about the all about the youths. Then, uh, yeah. So let's hope he continues to support him and uh, well done and how in uh, brainwashing him into supporting Sheffield United. Here we go. <laughs> so, um, so I'm going to pass it to Ash first of all. Uh, Corona Eleven. I don't know if there's anything updating there, but if not, we'll go straight onto the next topic. So Ash, over to you. Yeah. No. I think Carl put in a story about Alex Awobi being um, restricted from doing. From playing because of the COVID nineteen va- vaccine and virus, um, yeah, I don't think he'd make the team. So yeah, yeah. good. And if you've seen Alex Awobi, <clears throat> if you've seen Alex Awobi in the flesh, you know he's been restricted from playing football for a very long time. <laughs> um, so much promise at the Arsenal, and it just hasn't hasn't worked out. So much so that Ancelotti was playing him as like a wing back, and he still, you know, couldn't put a cross in, couldn't do anything. And a uh, daylight robbery there. So so glad that Everton bought bought him because. Um, what could have been? So, Alex, why we get well uh, and sort out your crossing and finishing? Otherwise, you know, you'd be playing for someone else. Right, moving forward. This is a big topic, obviously, because how uh, has his team sort of amongst the, the teams going down, unfortunately. So he won't be sort of privy to the, the talk of a relegation fight as they're already pretty much down. But uh, let's talk on the teams that are near the near the bottom. And also, I want to lead with this talk of Newcastle United. Uh, potential takeover um, and Steve Bruce surely, surely looking sort of to be kicked out soon. It hasn't worked so much promise at the beginning of the season. They bought Wilson, they bought in some other players and it just hasn't seemed to work out. So um, how, what's your thoughts on sort of who's going to be joining the mighty blades in, in the championship next year? Well, let's make it very clear. We're not relegated yet. Uh, there's there's nine games left. If we win them all, we might not go down. So I'm not going to be completely defeatist and just admit that we're going down. That's not, uh, you know, why be a football supporter? Uh, yeah. You know, if that's your attitude. So I, I'm I'm still remaining stupidly positive. Uh, realistically, though, yes, we are going down. And uh, joining us, I actually think, you know, it would look like Newcastle. There's actually a ridiculous theory going around that Newcastle getting relegated would hugely benefit them because there aren't the same stringent rules in the championship about ownership. And Mike Ashley could sell. Again, you could have a, you know another go at selling 
to uh, the, the market in Saudi Arabia that are interested in taking charge of Newcastle, that would likely go through in the championship. But of course, as we've already seen, hasn't gone through with the fit and proper person test in the Premier League for whatever reason. I don't know. I don't want to get into that. But that's a, a theory that's doing the rounds. And, you know, you could argue that till the cows come home. I personally think Newcastle with their squad is very, very strong. And actually, they should be mid-table. And they've got a better squad player for player than Fulham. Although I do think Fulham, I like Scott Parker. I do think some of Fulham's players are really good and will definitely be in the Premier League next season. But I don't think that'll be with Fulham. I do see Sheffield United, West Bromwich Albion and Fulham going down. I know that's not the sexiest answer, but I just think Newcastle will have a little bit too much, particularly with the firepower up front. Interesting. Ash, do you think that Brighton have done enough to pull away? And um, do you agree with Hal with his thoughts on West Brom and Fulham going back down? Um, <clears throat> I I think yeah, Brighton have won their last two. Um, I think the away win against Southampton was huge, um, because that then put them in good stead for the game last week against Newcastle, which they won comprehensively three 0 Um, I think Hal makes a really good point about the firepower with Newcastle. I think once everyone's fit, and you've got Almiron, Saint Maximam, and Wilson, I think they are able to score more goals than Fulham but my big worry for Newcastle is how many they kind of keep out like they're not the best at the back whereas Fulham seem to have a much better base and a much better structure than them than them at the moment I think Fulham's start is what's going to eventually cost them to go down they just gave away too many free points at the start of the season and I think since like the end of November if their form if the table started then I think they would be like near mid-table it was just a start that was a bit too much for them. And I think that's what's going to hold them back. So I expect Newcastle to stay up, but I'd be really happy if Fulham stayed up because I actually prefer them as a club. Yeah, I think Fulham sort of getting their act together a bit too late, potentially. Um, and they didn't. They haven't played too poorly. Uh, it's just probably too little, too late. I'm just looking if there's any sort of favourable run-ins, um, and especially in the last game of the season. Uh, West Brom away to Leeds. Fulham at home to Newcastle which yeah, last be game. interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. going to be really tasty on the 23rd. So it could be all to play for and a home game for Fulham could potentially save them. I mean, the, the week before you've got Newcastle, Sheffield United and then you've got West Brom, West Ham with Fulham. I'm just trying to find them our way to Southampton. So anything could happen you know the, the only other team you could maybe get pulled into is Burnley I think they should be okay but since Wood's been so Wood was out for a while Barnes was out for a while um, they haven't kept as many clean sheets as they normally do they could potentially be pulled in and I think they've got to play a couple of the teams so if for instance Fulham was to kind of get a result against them or Newcastle was to get a result against them it just means that like their rivals have to beat them but if their rivals fail to beat them then they're literally like maybe two wins away from being safe. But they could still be pulled in. I think Ash is bang on with that one. Um, Burnley actually have to play Fulham and Newcastle. Mm. So if the worst happens and they lose to both of those teams, I mean, the points difference isn't so great, you know, and Burnley could be in big, big, big trouble. Mm-hmm. So all to play for, I mean, the, the title's pretty much a done deal. So it's just down to sort of who, who will be getting relegated the other and thing about Burnley is they also have to play Liverpool and Man United. They'll beat Liverpool. And, yeah. and West Ham, who are absolutely yeah. flying at the moment. Well, I think, yeah, that's really interesting, Cal. But if anything, this season has shown, recently as well, anyone's beatable, anyone can win. The teams mm. are shipping in goals. I mean, that you know that West Ham-Arsenal game was 
was pretty hectic. Liverpool aren't the force they were. People aren't scared of them anymore. Um, obviously, losing their main players haven't helped. But I think that fear factor is going to Man United. It just depends what type of Man United turn up and whether they've got one eye on, you know, trying to finish in the top four, have a strong finish. Uh, so and Europa as well, as well. More importantly, obviously, that sort of midweek weekend fixtures that uh, that Arsenal have to worry about as well. So all to play for. Right, moving on to the World Cup qualifiers. It's been a busy week of internationals and sort of there's so many games to pick from uh, and we can just sort of pluck a few out that really really took our interest um Thursday we had I was impressed I watched the Germany highlights and um well just the new kit of the Germany new kit looked amazing the all black top sort of looked like that team out of sensible soccer you know that ultimate team that you play against and Kimmich is passing absolutely ridiculous passing for Kimmich and just his involvement. Germany looking like they're pulling it all together. Uh, a surprise result, Spain and Greece with one all. Spain not sort of pulling away from Greece. Um, I'm going to start with Ash. Were there any games that you'd like to build on first? And then I'll pass it to Hal and then Cal and we can sort of end with end with England. Um, I think the Hungary free, um, Poland free game is interesting. Just because Hungary are in that group for Euro 2000, that the group of deaths that they've got... Um, Portugal, Germany, and um, France in their group. So everyone's going to expect them to be fourth. I still expect them to be fourth, but they seem like they want to kind of like play football. They want to score quite a few goals. Um, Poland are a decent side. They're going to play, obviously, England um, in the next few days. Um, so that 3-3 was like a really enjoyable game for me to watch. Um, I'm not the biggest international fan when it comes to qualifiers. I think the Nations League was is a great format because... It means the good teams play the good teams and you actually get like reputable games that take place. The qualifiers, I mean, San Marino against San Marino against England is just such a pointless fixture, especially when you've got so much fixture congestion going on and players are getting injured and we're in like obviously COVID times. I just don't see the point of a fixture like that. But um, but yeah, I think whenever like two teams who are decent that make it to tournaments get together, they're always the games that I will watch uh, when it comes to international football. Mm-hmm. Especially the big boys. Um, how any any games that sort of stood out that you watched the highlights or you drew your attention to? Yeah, um, Norway when they travelled to uh, Gibraltar, they uh, they wore those t-shirts, which were kind of bringing everyone together in solidarity at the 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 conditions that some of the workers have been subjected to with the uh, Qatar World Cup and building the stadiums and and basically just the treatment in general of of some people in Qatar. And uh, I thought that was very brave of the Norwegian squad to to do that to try and highlight that uh, every human should be treated equally. And uh, I thought that was that was really good of them in something that could easily have been ignored. And missed because you know Gibraltar Norway isn't the fixture that leaps out when you when you're looking at the, the run of fixtures I was also very impressed uh, with with Gibraltar actually getting a goal uh, yesterday in in their match because of course it's very difficult for a, a nation the size of Gibraltar a, an isthmus that is only three miles in size and uh, such a, a small population to choose from and also not only that there isn't any grass you know, really in in Gibraltar so you, you have to go to Spain to actually play your football very very difficult and I, and I like to see uh, the, the rock do as well as they possibly can in these big tournaments they manage to keep these score lines down as, as fairly respectable when they do have such a small population to choose from so there's there's a, a keen eye on Gibraltar which I've had for the past sort of year and a half 
Interesting. And, and that sort of, we can build on that because Ash was saying, you know, point, pointless with San Marino playing and then you just meant highlighted Gibraltar. Mm. You know, these r- small nations that are still building, you know, you could say a, a, a small reputation in football. Is there any point in them, in them playing? I believe so. Uh, and it's almost like with Italy, with the Six Nations, you know, that they never win. Uh, they're just there to sort of help build up the other team's points tallies and, and goal tallies. So is there something to be said of these smaller teams still involved, giving them a chance and then they'll potentially get better or should they be sort of put off to the side and having their own little mini leagues against the smaller countries? Um, which which they do have, of course, don't they? Yeah. You know, I, I really like that new uh, that new tournament. Uh, what's it called? Remind me. The Nations League. That's it. It's a hard one to remember because we're talking about nations and leagues. Um, <laughs> it, I think that's brilliant. I know it gets a lot of stick, but I think that's absolutely fantastic. And I think I've noticed these smaller nations get better for the experience of playing equal opposition which which makes sense i would much rather watch well let's just pick the two you've mentioned san marino and gibraltar play each other than england san marino because it's a foregone conclusion and it's not mm. particularly exciting and actually I, I do think that game was fairly dull yeah um cal any games over the the midweek period that caught your eye I'm just going to um, give a shout out to the U.S. men's national team um, for beating Jamaica 4-1. Not because it's a particularly good achievement, but just because I like what they're doing. It's like a new development project they've got going on there. There's loads of good young players coming through in America right now. And one of them is Sergio Dest, who actually scored his first goal for the men's team. Um, young fullback playing at Barcelona and he's kind of cutting off the left wing and bent one around the keeper from about 20 odd yards out. it was a lovely goal so um, you know maybe not the best opposition you know to, to kind of flex your your muscles against being a, a player from uh, Barcelona but definitely a fantastic goal from a young man who looks to have a good career ahead of him good stuff uh, some notable results Turkey 4-2 win is it never uh, 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 against Holland and Turkey Looking good, man, you know, they qualified and then looking strong for, I believe they're in the Euros. Um, we can talk about England now. Now, you mentioned it earlier. Is there any point playing teams like that? And you sort of people divide opinions. But I think they did a professional job. And Watkins scoring, Walprouse scoring, obviously deserved a, a running because of their good performances in the Premier League. And Calvert-Lewin showing maybe why he could be the best backup or additional striker to Harry Kane and uh, maybe a bit of an acker buster because he would, would have been on for a hat-trick and you would have got good odds for that but he just couldn't put it away the score could have been you know could have been double digits and uh, you started to feel for San Marino a bit um uh, Ash how do you think that um Southgate's handled the recent sort of performances and also the upcoming game today I believe um so see so just going back to my point about kind of San Marino I I think with a game like this you're going to experiment so someone like Watkins will kind of come in I think Cody captained the team like it's a it's an international cap it's an honor you scored your first goal it's going to mean a lot to players but I think just what Hal said about kind of teams playing teams on similar levels allows them to get better and then eventually they take the step up and start playing better opposition. So I think saying that, it's a good opportunity for Southgate to try things. Um, You try different formations. You're not going to learn much from the game, but I suppose it's just, it's a nice kind of um, gateway or passage into international football for someone like a Watkins, 
Um, Lingard was back. Obviously, he was really happy to be back after being out the the the, the squad for for a few years. So for some for, so for some cases, it benefits the manager. Obviously, there's there's sterner tests to kind of come. Um, I don't think you learn too much from a game like this. You can maybe see like what a couple of players can do, um, but I think it's more just a case of just him being able to get them together. Um, a week this season is going to be a lot for the England manager, especially with the Euros coming up. So I don't think he's going to learn too much. He didn't know about his players, but he's going to get to see a couple of players who have never played international football before. Yeah. And I suppose it's a good insight into sort of the, the personnel in training and in the canteen and the weights room and recovery and how they're carrying themselves with the whole team building, that which he's looking for in tournament football. I think Southgate did so much on the mental side uh, and the team building uh, sort of facing difficult situations. So it's good insight there. Uh, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. And obviously they've got a game later today against Albania, um, which, you know, I mean, it's very much sort of attack versus defence, isn't it, with some of these teams? It's sort of, can you break them down? Uh, I was impressed with Reese James, and I'm glad he's sort of starting again with Chelsea. And I just want to see Phil Foden. I mean, Saka's bench, though, he's not playing, which helps Arsenal because... He needs a rest, but if I can just see Phil Foden on the ball as much as possible, I will be a happy England fan. Um, just moving on, and I'll pass this on to Cal and how briefly, because I want to talk about international football, but there was a Portugal game, I think yesterday, was it, uh, with Ronaldo uh, against Serbia. There we go. Tool, and in the last dying seconds, uh, Ronaldo thought he thought had scored. Um, the ball hadn't crossed the line completely and he was completely livid he was kicking off with the linesman got yellow carded and then he sort of at the final whistle threw his captain's armband on the floor and walked off um how did you see the the, the chance that he he had ruled uh, was disallowed and then what were your thoughts on him sort of throwing his toys out the pram yeah i've seen i've seen it i've also seen cristiano ronaldo miss possibly the best chance of all time which you can still see on youtube now which was actually at bramall lane when he was playing for uh, Manchester United and he managed just to sky it over the bar from about three yards. And then he reacted in quite a petulant way as well, which you can, you can check out on the video. I never liked that kind of thing, but also it's what fires and drives. I think a lot of these elite athletes Mm -hmm. and these sportsmen, and that's what separates them. They are a different breed and it generally seems, and I, and I'd love this to be wrong, that nice people come last. And, you know, Ronaldo's got that steel. He's got that determination. He's, he's kind of driven. It's a team game, but really when you play with a player like Zlatan or, or Cristiano Ronaldo, they are so focused on what they want to achieve that if anything gets in their way, it absolutely infuriates them. And I think we just saw a culmination of that and it just kind of boiled over in a way that it shouldn't. And I know that, Cristiano Ronaldo, I'm sure, would look back on that and say, yeah, I, I probably didn't react the right way, but that's how he reacts in the moment. And also, you wouldn't want to take that away because it's that edge that makes him who he is. Yeah, yeah. Much like how Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan mm. had their teammates in tears um, or people dislike them and winning at all costs. You know, that, that, Like you said, that elite mentality. And he is elite, you know, which leads us nicely onto this um, conversation and Cal I know you was getting into it on Twitter with a few people uh, Juventus presents Ronaldo with the GOAT 770 shirt for passing Pele's goal mark uh, recently he, Ronaldo was presented with a, uh, a shirt by the Juventus president uh, which had the words GOAT greatest of all time for those who don't know coined by uh, I think LL Cool J had it first on one of his albums go check it mm. out um, and scoring 770 goals I mean what a remarkable achievement in the modern game. Um, people's views on Pele, what he did 
in the past i mean it can't be taken away and anyone who's watched the documentary on netflix um you know you have to admire what he did then but but doing it now uh, with everything going on uh Cal, what's your thoughts on ronaldo being awarded this the shirt on his achievement in scoring 770 goals well it is an absolutely fantastic achievement isn't it i don't think um that's anything to be sniffed at there i did have a look at the list of people who have scored more than 500 goals and it's a very short list we're talking about you know some of the most elite strikers of this generation you know ibrahimovic um ronaldo messi lewandowski and I think Luis Suarez is the one that makes up the top five. And obviously sitting on the top of that tree is CR7 himself. Um, and he will feel rubbed that he didn't get a goal the other day against Serbia because it looked to me as though, you know, when he struck the ball, it was kind of just rolling in slowly and it rolled completely across the line before the defender cleared it. But And the linesman had a good view and he didn't give the goal. So, you know, you can understand why Ronaldo would be getting upset. Looked like he kind of took off his armband and always threw the captain's, captain's uh, armband off, which is obviously going to upset people, you know, kind of storming off the pitch in a bit of a rage. Nobody likes to see that side of it. But like Hal says, you know, he's a, a top competitor and it's that kind of fire in his belly that enables him to be so good. Um, but I, I personally like to celebrate Ronaldo. I think if you score 770 goals, wow. You know, um, I had a little argument with um, uh, Idris uh, from the We Think We Know Sports podcast. Shout out to, to Idris. Little argument on Twitter about, you know, who's great on Messi and Ronaldo. And, you know, and there are some good points. You know, he did count with some good points as to maybe why Messi could be considered just as great, if not greater. Uh, the fact that Messi is actually younger than Ronaldo is interesting because when Messi gets to Ronaldo's age, he might even score more than 770 goals, you see, uh, to be the most prolific goal scorer um, in football. But Ronaldo's done it now. Uh, so I think this is just an L that Messi and Messi's friends are going to have to take because Ronaldo is officially the GOAT. He's your GOAT. <laughs> it, it's facts. He scored 770 mm. goals. That doesn't mean you're the GOAT. Doesn't okay, it means that he's scored the most amount of goals of all time. Nobody scored that amount of goals. No, that's fine. That's a fact, but being the greatest player of all time doesn't mean that. Because then that means that a goalkeeper can never be the greatest player of all time. Or, do you see what I'm saying? Like, just because you score goals, that's one aspect of football. Football's an, like a, a sport with 11 players on the pitch. So, yeah, scoring goals is the most important aspect of it, but it's not the only aspect. Uh, you know, I think um, I'll get Hal to chime in after this, uh, my sort of input, and then we'll talk about upcoming fixtures. But every generation, I always say this, every generation has a go. Every generation has their greatest of all time. You speak to sort of uncles and, and aunts or sort of people older than us and they'll say maybe Maradona you talk to people slightly older they'll say Pele or um, Puskas or you know they'll George Best gets shouted up as well you say you know so uh, you know it, it goes on and on and on you speak to West Ham fans and say you know West Ham won the World Cup with Bobby Moore and stuff so <laughs> so it'll be interesting how, how what's your views on sort of the I, mean, I don't want to spend too long on this pub barbershop debate of you know who's the greatest because this is just it goes around in circles but um what's your thoughts on sort of the the concept of the greatest of all time i mean you're right though it does change doesn't it it's generational and everyone will have one and that's the great thing in one way that there's always someone coming next 
you'd have thought with uh, let's let's look at Wales for example as a nation that size you'd have thought Neville South or well there's no one going to be better than that Ryan Giggs well there's no one going to be better than that Gareth Bale well there's no one going to be better than that and there will be someone now that's going to be the next Gareth Bale we don't even know about he's probably 12 years old and there's always someone coming next and that's what's so exciting about football that also keeps us coming back and you know of the debate of Messi Ronaldo I'm in the Ronaldo camp and that's purely for a number of reasons but I'll give you the big one if it's the final minute of a game and the ball is crossed across the face of the goal and I've got one of them at the far post for a header to sell and net the winner, I want Ronaldo on that rather than Messi. So I kind of pick Ronaldo because he's he's better in the air, but he could also do a lot of the stuff on the ground as well. Mm. And he's done it in free free leagues as well. And mm. Um, I mean, but neither of them have won a World Cup, so, you know, there we go. <laughs> Moving forward. Right, upcoming fixtures. I mean, there are so many to, to go through. Uh, I'll just pick a few out. Uh, obviously, this will have happened later today, and we can have a quick chat, and then we'll move on with any general news. But um, England, we've already discussed that Albania will be interesting. Israel, Scotland. I mean, Scotland with it all to do, a great comeback uh, the other day with McGinn with his overhead Volley, um, we've got Bulgaria, Italy, Italy sort of turning the corner now and seeing if they can do it away from home. Uh, I'll go Ash Howe and then Cal again. If there's any sort of upcoming fixtures from the qualifiers the next few days that stand out to you and then we'll get on to news. So Ash first. Um, not particularly. Like I said, international football doesn't really jump out to me as such. I mean, England-Poland is a decent kind of game to look forward to. Um, yeah, not really, to be honest. Like, just just kind of want to get these these games over and done with. Um, I know the Czech Republic have been all right. They beat someone 6-2 recently, and um, they got to play Wales. Um, and Wales scored a very good goal against Belgium. I don't know if you guys saw it, but it's actually like one of the best team goals I've seen in a number of years. Um, so that might be a decent game, but yeah. I just kind of want the internationals to be over and done with, to be honest. That, that was a good goal, wasn't it? And then Kevin De Bruyne woke up and just yeah. spanked him. And then Lukaku, you, I mean, how I was talking about Ronaldo with a glaring miss, but Lukaku's miss from De Bruyne's ball the other day against Wales was uh, was pretty bad as well. He, do, he, he does that though, but then he'll still he'll score. Sometimes he scores harder chances. He's a weird he's a weird footballer at times. Mm. Um, I just noticed the under 21s England under 21s against Portugal would be interesting with them you know wealth of talent on the bench uh, for them all to do uh, right moving forward how any games upcoming midweek or this weekend fixtures that take your fancy I mean I, I was I really agree with that I mean not only am I wishing international football to be over I want domestic football to be over <laughs> that would lead us nicely on to the next story so no games from you and Cal um, yeah, it was actually just that uh, European Under-21 Championship game with Portugal and England. Sorry, the Under-21 game um, with Portugal and England. I do think AD Bufford's team has a whole lot of quality in it. I'm, and I'm I'm kind of with Ash. I'm more excited about what's going on with the Under-21s than with the men's national team. Because, you know, there's not that many great fixtures, really. Um, but, um, yeah, it's interesting that we've seen Ronaldo's goal getting ruled out against Serbia and it kind of raises the debate of should VAR be used in international football and with these tournaments, the under 21 tournaments, maybe they're not as high profile as the men's tournaments, um, the full national teams. So should the world cup, should the European championships have VAR, VAR in them? And then maybe you don't 
put that technology to use in the under 21s i think maybe that should be a way for it to go in order to you know get away from these controversies like we've had in portugal versus serbia but that being said um, I'm still looking forward to it. Hopefully we don't get any controversial scenarios. And there's a lot of quality in the AD Bufford squad, like I said. You know, you've got Curtis Jones at Liverpool. Um, obviously, you've got the Arsenal boys in there, Emil Smith-Rowe, Eddie Nketiah. Um, Ryan's not here to champion uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi, but I'm sure he'll be excited to see what he can do as well. And that's mm. uh, going on tonight, um, which uh, maybe our listeners won't get a chance to... Uh, to check out because this podcast will be aired after the game but maybe us uh, if anyone's free about 8 p.m this evening you can catch that after the the men's game cool uh, right how mentioned that he's sort of waiting for the uh, season to be over but no sooner will it be over that it will be restarting again premier league 2021 to 2022 season to kick off on the 14th of august um no longer you know would we sort of be uh, thinking about the season pass with no fans, that the season looking to start up again just five weeks after Wembley hosts the European Championship final. And um, such a quick turnaround. Is this the best thing? Do you think they maybe should have delayed it? Um, Ash, what's your thoughts on the season starting in early August? Yeah, no, 100%. I think <clears throat> I was talking to someone about this the other day that if you think about what's happened, yeah, there was, the, I know there was a three months off for COVID. But if you look at the extension of the season last time, the short window that um, teams had to go through between this year, there's summer tournaments, there's going to be World Cup qualifiers, and then we're back on the four, back on the 14th of, of August. There's no winter break, there's no shutdown. You're going to find that there's going to be a lot of players who are going to age a lot faster than in previous seasons in terms of like their actual like, optimal ability. And I just think it would have been good to to delay it for a bit longer. If, for instance, I don't know, say like England were to get to the final on the 11th, they still need to have their three or four weeks off. Pre-season training happens. It could really affect the long-term um, development of some of the players. And I just think it's, it's, too, it's just so much football on at the moment. I just think it's, it's going to be very difficult for managers to um, to be able to balance getting their best team out as well as making sure their players are in optimum physical um, condition. And, I, I think it's too soon, personally. How? I am only really looking at the start of the championship season, <laughs> uh, which is on the 7th of August, and uh, I've already bookmarked it all down in my diary. So I have absolutely uh, no interest in when the Premier League kicks off. Let's be honest, it's not going to affect me. Well, do you not think that the Sheffield United players and sort of the turnaround and, and, and those that are... We don't really have any internationals that are going to be uh, involved in, in. It's not. It's not a concern. I'm the worst person to ask this question of. No worries. Okay. Well, quick turnaround. You can hopefully see if fans can be returning or sort of enjoying the games in the sun. I mean, I'm. I I, I always welcome a winter break as much as we love traditional football on on and around Christmas, but. You know, it's happening in other countries and it's proved to help the international teams. Uh, players need a break mentally, physically. Uh, so, you know. I'd, I'd love to get Hal's opinion on the Chris Wilder departure. And if maybe if, if maybe you think Chris Wilder would have been ideal to stay and maybe guide the team through the championship next to you. Well, I had uh, quite a long conversation with the, the owner of our club, uh, Prince Abdullah. His Royal Highness, seventh in line, I believe, to the Saudi royal family. 
who uh, who spoke to me last week and and told me a lot of things in confidence, which I you know I'm not going to reveal as I as I promised, but he said I could relay that I've spoken to him. And I feel like having I've also spoken with Chris Wilder, but that was a long time ago. So I don't have a foot in either camp. You know, I'm I'm trying to look at this down the middle as just a Sheffield United fan. Mm. And I think the truth is somewhere in the middle from what both of them have sort of alluded to. Chris Wilder's kind of let things slip in the media, certainly even before he left. I believe he did resign twice. Anyone could lip read him after we got beaten by Crystal Palace saying, I can't do this anymore. The prince has come out and said that he resigned after that, and the prince kind of talked him back in to staying because I think what you just said is spot on. I think that our owner agreed with you that the best man to bring us back would have been Chris Wilder, but Chris Wilder then resigned again. And you know, sometimes you've got to say, "All right, look, if you really want out, you're gonna you're gonna have to go." And it was almost a case of, I think the board did everything they could to keep Chris Wilder. They gave him more money than any Sheffield United manager has ever had, and I mean that with inflation included. And they bought the players he wanted. He had a, you know, I think a few targets that we didn't get. But then again, you are competing with other clubs. There's not just one club in the Premier League. But they went out for big money for the likes of Aaron Ramsdale and Rian Brewster. That's who Chris Wilder wanted. And that's who he got. And you can argue later whether they were good signings or not. Yeah, and I think, I, well, you, you, you could have, have sort of, there's opinions, of course, on, on signings. And, and maybe both of them will prove long term to be fantastic signings. There's also been rumours, you know, allegedly, of players being offered to the club that Chris Wilder didn't sign. And some of those, if the names are to be believed, have gone on to become really top-draw footballers. And if we signed those players, it's unlikely we'd be bottom of the league. So there's probably a bit of blame to be shared around the entire hierarchy of the club. And I think Chris Wilder, and even himself, will probably, maybe not now, but maybe in a few years, admit one or two mistakes were made. I wish him the best. We've got to move on now. Yes, I think he would have taken us back up, but we'll see him. Whoever the new manager is going to be, we will back him uh, because we, you know, we're, what are the, what are the choice do we have? We can pine for a manager that's gone, or we can look at the people that have stayed behind and the people mm. that are coming in, and I think we've just got to get behind them. Who, who, quickly, for them control line, who would you like to take over <laughs> in him? <laughs> Realistically, I, I, I don't know. I. I don't think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be someone like Bilic. Big Sam. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be Jokanovic. Uh, I don't yeah. think it's going to be Big Sam. I think. I think it's it's probably going to be someone left Al? field. Eddie Howe. No, it's not going to be him because he's fallen out with Jason Tindall, and we've we've taken Jason Tindall on as a coach. They don't even speak, so uh, it's not going to be Eddie Howe. Okay, um, someone who you could possibly uh, take on board as he's taking a break from social media is Thierry Henry, um, the Arsenal and French legend amongst other teams, but those are the only sort of Arsenal really worry about because he's uh, he absolutely bossed it. Um, demands social media regulations as he closes his account, basically due to an onslaught of sort of racism and. Uh, um, insults and whatnot and says more needs to be done on social media platforms um, he's coming off uh, quitting the media out uh, until online abuse is regulated with the same vigour and ferocity that copyright infringements are um, this is really t- sad to see um, that players are still getting abused, I know Rian Brewster uh, the Sheffield United player faced some online abuse recently and he he, uh, he posted it and shared it. So it's, it's happening all over and something really needs to be done. Um, you know, they need to be a lot harsher on, on these people. They somehow need to find out who's saying it. I know they can 
majority of times, you know, but, you know, this is a criminal offence and people need to be done, um, need to face the law. Um, Ash, what's your thoughts on Thierry Henry coming off and sort of social media having to do more, Twitter, Instagram, etc., having to do more to support people being abused? Yeah, so <clears throat> we, we, we consistently talk about what could be done to to eradicate this problem. And like we said, it's it's in society. So when it's in society, it's gonna it's gonna spill into aspects of whatever's in society, whether it be football or social media and those kinds of things. I think it's an amazing standby, Thierry Henry. I think it's a, a great thing to kind of do. I think one person doing it isn't gonna have the same kind of effect. But I do think a big point was raised in terms of like the verification of, of identification when it comes to these things. So getting more and more people to not necessarily put in like your full details, but at least having like some kind of trail behind it to know where these accounts are coming from. The speed of the speed with which you can create a social media account is literally a couple of minutes. Just create any an email address, plug that email address in, put a password in, then you go. There's no there's no kind of regulation whatsoever about what you then do with that. It's just a case of you can create an account from anywhere and that's it. And I just think there needs to be a bit more joining up between email accounts, um, social media accounts, just so that you're able to actually track the, the type of people who are jumping onto these social forums and then being able to track those who make these horrendous and just disgusting comments. Um I think it's again it's something that needs to be done it's one of the many efforts that people are making to try to eradicate this problem and yeah I'm, I'm in support of Thierry Henry because of this but again like I said it needs to be him leading the next not him leading it but him being not just the only person to do this for people to kind of like actually take heed of what's going on yeah agreed agreed um Cal I'm going to pass this on to you one of our last talking topics uh and then we can maybe spend a bit more time on us on the next episode when we've all watched it. But BBC recently put together football's darkest secret uh, documentary on just discussing uh, following the systemic revelations of historic child abuse in football in November, 2016. And just talking about, you know, basically all the uh, horrendous acts that have been happening with uh, Bob coach Higgins, uh, who was basically abusing young players um have you have you watched it um and just saw your thoughts on it well it, it's a three-part series um so the siggins the siggins episode is episode two um and there's absolute atrocities that happen that are you know exposed that are told to us by the people who've experienced this by people in their lives um you know it's it, it's really it's really difficult to talk about. I just really want to salute these gentlemen for coming forward and telling their stories because this is the kind of, you know, unspeakable act of evil that nobody speaks about. Um, so to actually see it, I was shocked to actually just see such a thing existed, let alone there were huge investigations, people going to court, people being convicted. Um, it, it's It's shocking. I think everyone should watch it. Um, I'd like to think that football is a lot different now um, than how it's being portrayed in this documentary series. Um, I've gone on to the FA and I've done uh, a couple of their courses and I've seen the, you know, the impetus that they're putting on people being aware of uh, child abuse and safeguarding and, and all of these things. So whatever happened then, I'm quite confident that it isn't happening now. Um, but I do think that it's important that everybody watches this documentary, 
we see the stories of these people who've come forward and, you know, we, we take it in and we, and we learn from it. We learn something from it. I think it's the important thing. Definitely, definitely. Um, and we've all sort of either work or know or have worked with young people. Um, and it's important that we protect them and we support them. And uh, we re- we recommend watching it. It's pretty heavy. So um, so you've got, to think you've got to be in the right frame of mind to watch it. Um, before we sign off, how? I don't know if you've watched it or your thoughts on the uh, BBC documentary. Do you know, I'm, I'm one of these people that finds, I think one of these people is a, a weird thing to start this sentence with. I think a lot of people will just agree with this. I find this subject so upsetting that I really struggle with um, programs like this. So I, I purposefully didn't yeah. watch it. I, I probably should watch it, but I just, you're right, you've got to be in the right mindset. And I, I'm definitely not, you know, there's been enough awful things in the last year. I need something good and positive to cheer me up while I'm in you know lockdown and my wife can't work I just don't want to see things that are just going to make me really really sad it's something that I, I it's, an, it's an unspeakable evil as quite rightly said and it just it brings me so down and the thought that it's even happened I, I don't want to compute it and I'm not ready for it yet and I'm just so glad that safeguards are being put in place and I oh god I hope this nothing like this ever happens again yeah, thank you. No, thank you for your honest uh, view. That's I'm, I'm sure a lot of people will agree uh, with your ideas there. Um, Ash, being as someone who works with young people, yeah, I think <clears throat> like like we said earlier on, like when you deal with society, society seeps into every single aspect of of life, right? Because it is it's, it's all encompassing. So hearing these stories, it's it's heartbreaking. It's it's horrific. It's it's you don't want it to ever happen. But when you're gonna have men um, in positions of power with young people, with young men and their dreams at their hands, they could use that to to to, to do some really illicit and, and disgusting things. And I think um, I haven't watched it yet. I will watch it, but it's just it's an aspect of society, and there's so many ills and evils that we have to kind of work towards. And it's the same it's the same premise as what we spoke about with racism. It's the case of a united force getting the right the right things in place, like having accountability, having lines of communication to to and actually really. Um, supporting victims to ensure that they can come out be be given the right platforms be given the help the counseling all the things they need to be able to to kind of like move on with this and actually to alert other people about the dangers that are happening as well and yeah things are improving but never ever letting your foot off the gas when it comes to ensuring that all the regulations and everything that's in place is suitable and i think it's really really important that documentaries like this come out to shed light on it to hold people accountable and to ensure that the right things are put in place to safeguard children moving forward with this as well so yeah it's really important that these documentaries take place well said well said and if you do see or hear anything untowards just like we've uh, racism in the workplace or in the football field, sexism, any prejudice, mm. anything of that you may have an inkling of, oh, wait a minute, that isn't right, or, you know, changing romantics, or, I mean, just everyone just be vigilant, keep your eyes open, keep your ears open, support one another. Like Hal said, it's been a, a horrible year, tough, um, but we're in this together. So, you know, as always, hoping that this podcast can help you get through the week and get through what you have got going on. Don't forget to hit us up on social media at podcast play on at beer at bants um how i want to say again thank you for coming back i don't know if you've been our first guest that we've had return i want to say 
Is he? Is he got his second cap? His second. <laughs> his second cap. So, um, for, as always, thank you for giving an insight not only into Sheffield United but also into to football as a whole. You're a great guest, so thank you for coming back on. Well, let's be realistic. Uh, with my team getting relegated, it might be the last time I'm on, as you mostly talk about the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we try to have a balanced talk. We will definitely have you back, or you know, maybe. Yeah, if you if you want the insight into Lincoln away, I'm your man. <laughs> <laughs> Championship spin-off. There we go. We've got the uh, second season coming soon. Okay, so thank you again. And don't forget to check out how on his social network, which is... So you can get me on YouTube, uh, The Chef United Way. One last question before you go, Hal. Mm. As a Sheffield United fan, a fan of a team who has pretty much been in a relegation battle for the whole season, I'm sure you've taken an increased interest in the other teams that were around and competing to stay in the Premier League. What is your official opinion? Who's going to stay up? Who's uh, going well, my, my, uh, my interest, uh, you're sort of saying in, in other teams, my interest has, has moved to cricket. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm Blades, West Brom. And Fulham, uh, that you know, the teams that you now say are, are, are expected, are, are almost the three that came up one season for us. But, but Leeds obviously definitely going to stay mm. up now. I mean, if there's any incentive as well, at least you won't be playing Sheffield Wednesday in the new season because it looks like they could be getting relegated. Although that would be a tasty derby for you to, uh, to, yeah. to watch. Yeah, so, I, think, um, I think they will go down. You're right. <laughs> All to play for. Okay, so thank you, Hal. And uh, yeah, as always, everyone, thanks for listening. Cal, thank you for the notes, the links, the audio, you know, pulling the strings at the back. Thank you so much. No need for all of these thank yous, by the way. I never asked anyone to say all of that. But thank you, too. Thank you to everyone. Thanks for Hal for coming it's, on. It's got to be done, man. It's got to be done. It's got to be done. Positive thank you for, for doing the, the KDB number 10 role, as you always do so expert. Big up, big up. And Ash, thanks for waking up a bit and uh, providing a good uh, lot of energy on the show. Big up. It's cool. I'm going back to bed now. All right, man. Yeah, listen, we don't sleep. Uh, I'm going to look after the baby. Everyone, enjoy your week. Thank you for listening and subscribe, like and share. Bye-bye. Peace.